Amen. Zechariah 4, verse 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So Lord, bless your word. Lord, wherever your word is opened and proclaimed across this land, we pray for your anointing to be upon it. Lord, give us ears to hear and that your name would be glorified. Holy Spirit, have your way among us. Lord, deal with our hearts. Open our ears. Give us the grace to yield ourselves to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Just a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the infinite, almighty power of the Spirit of God in creation and also the operation of the Spirit when we come to the last days when Christ will come for His church, that is the bride of Christ. And we know what a, what, what a moment that will be when the dead in Christ shall rise first we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the earth. That is a reality that could very well happen within our lifetime, within the days in which we live. It's ever closer to the coming of the Lord for the bride. And that is going to be an awesome moment when the Spirit of God, who is chiefly uh, uh, re responsible for gathering the bride of Christ together, raising the dead first, giving them their body, that immortal body, then we which are alive are suddenly changed by the power of God. We'll be given a new body and praise the Lord for a new body. I can, I can vouch for that this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Cliff for a new body. We're going to start a wee club, the bad back club in the church, but we're going to keep looking to the Lord because he's going to change us all, Ronnie. And there's a few other with sore backs here this morning, but the Lord's going to change us. There'll be no more pains. No more aches, no more death, no more sorrow, no more disease, no more cancer, no more funeral directors, no more hospitals. Praise the Lord, what a day it's going to be when we see Jesus. And it's ever closer, it's ever closer in this world. But there is a work that is very significant. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in the last days that will take place primarily, of course, of course, across the world, the Holy Ghost is working. I'm going to show you that. Um, but we are going to see a tremendous work in the church of Jesus Christ globally, right across the entire world. The Holy Ghost is going to do a work. The tragedy of that is, on the other side, it is very much in many areas for those that name the name of Christ, it is a tragedy that there are so many that still are like those. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul had come across to those coasts and found certain disciples, and when he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they responded and said, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And there are so many in the last days within the broader aspect of the body of Christ that still are ignorant to the dealings and the necessity to have the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost, Tommy. We need the Spirit of God. We need to operate and function in the Holy Ghost, but we need to hear 
The Bible says what the Spirit is saying to the church. When you read that word here, that's a very important word. That is not just listening to the word and hearing it, but it is also obeying the word. The Holy Ghost is given to those that obey. And obedience is a very important word when we come to look at the Holy Spirit. Now we understand from Scripture the days in which we're living in. If you want to follow this, there's quite a number of Scriptures that I'll go through this morning. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6, we're dealing here with the end times, the last days. The Lord has asked a question concerning the, the, the signs and the indications of the coming of the Lord and the end of the world. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6, the Lord says to the disciples that you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you be not troubled for all these things will come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines, there shall be pestilences, that's plagues. There will be earthquakes in diverse places and all these Jesus said, will indicate a period of time known as the beginning of sorrows. I would say that it is very likely that most people um, and most scholars and most theologians, regardless of their interpretation of the end times, would agree that we have entered into this period of time that the Lord called the beginning of sorrows most identify and see that we're actually in that period of time. We cannot tell exactly the day that we entered in, but the significance of the events that are around us, particularly over the last generation or two, we can now be assured that we have entered into this time, the beginning of sorrows. It is lightning when a woman enters into labor. She does not know the time that it will begin, but when it begins, she knows it's happened. Isn't that right, ladies? Us men know nothing about that, but it's true. Once labor comes and the pains and the pangs of labor come, then she knows she's in that period of time. The Bible calls it the beginning of sorrows, and it's leading to a birth. There's a birthing, there's a fruition, there's a, an end of all of this. And we are now in that period of time, I have no doubt, that we are now in the time known as the beginning of sorrows. The indication of that is all around us. We see what's happening on the world stage, but we're not moved by the signs. We just see the signs for what they are. And this is the beginning of the period known as the beginning of sorrows. It's a period of intensity upon the earth. There is a very unique period. It's not been like this before. And we will enter into that. We have entered into that. And now we are aware that we are ever coming closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many things will be fulfilled. I want to say, first of all, that all of what we are going to look at, just in a brief introduction to this message this morning, all of these things are only possible, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. Even the rise of the Antichrist is only possible by a sovereign God. He is not in control. You understand me this morning, brothers and sisters. The Antichrist is not in control. Jesus is in control. There's one on the throne. His name is Jesus. Don't be sucked in or seduced by what is happening, that the power of darkness is greater than the power of God. Thank God for Calvary. Jesus defeated the devil at Calvary. But all of these events, according to the prophetic utterance of Christ and His Word, are only possible by the sovereign work of God, the Holy Spirit. 
the Spirit of God. So we will know that in these days, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, that the day shall not come. Is what the Bible says. The day shall not come except there be a falling away first. That will happen. That will take place because the Word of God tells us that's what will happen. There will be a falling away from the faith. There will be an apostasy from the faith. That faith that was delivered to the saints. We will see a falling away from the old paths. We'll see a falling away from the highway of holiness. We'll see many that will fall away and be seduced with the lust of their own flesh into the things of this world. It does not mean that there will not be a function of religion. They still may function in a building and so forth, but there will be a falling away from the truth of God's Word. And I'm going to come to how important it is to be in God's Word, to be studying God's Word, to be under God's Word, to be led by God's Word. The absolute authority in all things pertaining to the church of Jesus Christ is not led with the pastor or a leadership or a man. It's God's precious Word. That is the absolute authority in all matters, the Word of God. That's the truth, friends. That, that never changes. This is the absolute truth that is God's Word. So the day will not come except there be a falling away from the faith. The Bible says that the man of sin shall be revealed. The son of perdition. We understand this to be the Antichrist. Now, there might be different interpretations who the Antichrist actually is, but the reality of it is there will be a revealing of the Antichrist. That is only possible not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. This is so important that we get this because if we become over-fascinated with the Antichrist, we'll tend to believe that the Antichrist is greater than the church. And the Antichrist is not greater than the church because we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. So a focus is very important as we come into the last days. The Lord Himself, the Bible says, shall shall, when He comes, consume the Antichrist with the spirit of His mouth and shall destroy Him with the brightness of His coming. That's awesome, friends. The Lord will destroy Him with the brightness of His coming. There will be a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. And I personally believe this. I know there's some different interpretations when the Bible says of the mystery that does already work, but he who now led us will let until he be taken out of the way. I believe that that is simply that God in his sovereign purposes by the Spirit of God will lift his restraint that there is on wickedness. And when the restraint of God is lifted, then we see there'll be an influx of wickedness. I believe we are witnessing that. We are seeing evil like we have never seen it. And evil is now called good. And good is called evil. So there'll be a sovereign lifting of the restraint of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that holds back the wickedness that we had for many generations not experienced. I'm not saying there was no sin. I'm not saying that there wasn't evil. But we have seen in a generation, have we not? Have we not seen in a generation that the restraint has been lifted so evil has now, looks as though has won the day. It looks as though it's won the day. You are evil for what you believe. You're evil if you believe in creation. You're evil if you believe 
in man and woman marriage. If you, you're evil if you believe in the protection of the unborn. You're evil if you believe those things. You're a bigot. You're a homophobe. You're all those things. We're, we're none of those things, but that's what the world will say against us because the restraint now has been lifted, but that has been lifted by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is in control of everything that's taken place. And so now we see that lifting. And then we see what will happen in the lifting of the restraint. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9, you'll read there that in the working of darkness and the Antichrist, that there will be a working of deceivableness, of unrighteousness in them that perish. That the deception that will come in the unrighteous will, will, will be like not we've, not, like not we've seen before. There'll be such a deception that will come that they will not receive the love of the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. What is truth? Truth is a person. His name's Jesus. They don't want Jesus anymore. Give us anything else. Give us any other religion. Give us no religion, but don't give us Jesus. Don't give us this Christ that you're talking. We don't want this in our schools. We don't want this in our society. We don't want it in politics. We don't want it anywhere. We want this eliminated from our lives. We don't want the truth. We don't want to retain God in our knowledge. There is no God. And so we see here that what will happen, anyone see this happening? Is it, praise the Lord, there's three of us that see it happening. I think there's a few more. You're just shy this morning. But we're seeing it happen. See it, friends. Understand it spiritually. See it spiritually and understand what's taken place. Because they receive not the love of the truth. In other words, they don't want the Word of God. They don't want to hear about your God. They don't want to hear the Scripture. They don't want to hear the Bible being preached. Sadly, that's even happening in many churches. Take out preaching. Take out the Word of God. Let's just have two or three hours of just music, but don't have the Word of God. Let me tell you, friends, the Word of God is central. And it's like that which steers the whole ship. It is the Word of God. So it's important that the Word of God is central. The preaching of the Gospel, the preaching of God's Word remains central to everything. Because that is the absolute truth. And so we see that there's a, that because they receive not the love of the truth, for this reason, God, God, listen, friend, this is, this might be strong to accept, but this is the word of God. That God shall send them a strong delusion. There'll be a delusion comes, but that delusion does not come from the Antichrist. The delusion actually comes from God. They've heard the gospel. They've, they've heard the word. They've heard the truth. You know, I'm concerned about people that constantly hear the gospel and they will not accept it or receive the love of the truth. I'm concerned about that. The Bible says that my spirit shall not always strive with men. And when we read this here, this, this is one of those sobering verses that, that should awaken us that if we're in a place where we've halted between two opinions or we hear the gospel or, or we're constantly hearing the truth, but we don't want to receive the love of the truth, there comes a time when the Bible says, my spirit shall not always strive with men that God would give you over to a strong delusion. Why? Because you rejected the truth. That's a sobering thing. That's an alarming thing, but the Bible teaches us this. 
There's a strong delusion. I believe that that delusion has already come to many. There's a strong, it's not just a delusion, it's a strong delusion. It's strong. And what happens then? That they then, they believe, they believe a lie. And they're convinced of the lie that they believe. They believe the lie that they believe. Listen, follow this with me. The lie that they believe, they believe that's true. Do you understand what I'm saying? The lie that they believe, they believe that lie is true, but it's a lie. And the delusion comes. This all happens not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. There is a, an amazing event that takes place, events that unfold in the last days. They are happening. It's not just in the last five years or ten years, but I, I would say that it's really happened over about the last century. Really, we've seen tremendous change in this world. I've often preached it, often said it. You might be saying, we're, here we go again on the, on the second coming in the last days. Well, praise the Lord. Because we need to be ready for the days we're in. We need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And let us not become familiar with these things, but over the past few generations, we have seen the fulfillment of God's prophetic calendar unfold. It's remarkable. It's actually, if you can, in some way, step back even from our just our enclosed position and, and our little lives and the, the time in which we're closed in, if we had the opportunity to step back just a little bit and see it on a bigger scale, it will absolutely amaze you the unfolding of the prophetic events that we are now living in. It is awesome. It's actually so exciting because we see in the hand of God and the power of the Holy Spirit working, fulfilling what? Fulfilling God's Word. Fulfilling the prophetic, fulfilling the words of Christ, fulfilling the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's awesome. And so often we become enclosed and blind to what is happening. We see God fulfilling His purposes. We see the great wars that have indicated the times in which we're entering into the beginning of sorrows. I don't believe it just happened a few years ago. I believe we've been in the beginning of sorrows for quite a period of time. But there's a fruition to this time. We've seen the gathering again of Israel after 2,000 years. That's a significant moment. For 2,000 years, nothing. And then by the sovereign purposes of God in His hand, He has promised according to His Word to gather His people back. But it is not just enough that He gathers them back because circumcision is of no avail. It's a revelation into their hearts that Jesus is their Messiah. It's not just that they come to the land. It's a revelation of who He is. And that's what we're going to see in the sovereign purposes of God. And all of this is only possible. Listen carefully. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. This has all happened because the Holy Spirit is working to fulfill His Word. I walked a few days ago, attempted to walk, into a store. They must have thought I was about 94 coming through the door. But I do, actually makes me smile. I know it makes some people fear, but it makes actually me smile when I see the big sign right at the door as you walk through and it says, no cash. 
And I say, well, I normally don't have cash. And then it says card only. Do you know what actually it makes me smile? Why? Because I see we're going somewhere. I see we're going somewhere. It doesn't make me fear. But what are you going to do if there's nothing in the bank? Listen, praise the Lord, we're okay. I was young. Now I'm getting a little bit older. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. And if anybody thinks that God's going to abandon his church in the last run, friends, you're seriously mistaken because he's promised to never leave us or forsake us. I will be with you even to the very end. We might have to dig Adrian's potatoes. We might have to milk Brand's, Brand's cows. We might have to get some oil off Charlie McKibben or anywhere else, but God's going to see his people all right. Now, right, Bran? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Plenty of robots here, Bran. We can go down. <laughs> and if you need a steak, you can see Ronnie. Isn't that right, Ronnie? <laughs> Revelation 13 says, There will come a time when no man can buy or sell. See if he has the mark. Or the name of the beast. When I was a kid, this was a fantasy. This was something that was crazy, could never possibly happen. Friends, you walk into a lot of shops today, we're heading for a cashless world. Now, some people may not believe that, but whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. It is happening. It actually is happening. Well, I don't believe in a brother about the end times. It's happening. So we're in awesome days. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that these things are to be our focus. Nowhere. None of these things are to be our focus. We are not to become preoccupied or over-focused in any of these things. None of them. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us there, the revelation, the revelation, the disclosure, the manifestation of Jesus Christ. I want to say that again because in the study of eschatology, end times, I know there's an awful lot of diversity, but if it does not lead us all to Jesus, then we're going off. I want to say all that again. I know some might, might feel that difficult, but if end times does not lead us to the person of Jesus Christ, we're going to go off. No matter what passion you have within the unfolding events of end times, I'm a passionate believer that the church, and we'll look at it, is going to be revived to meet the Lord in the earth. I believe that. But if my focus is the church and the church alone, I'm going to go off. I believe that God is going to gather in Israel. He has. And I believe that God is going to save Israel by the power of His Spirit. I believe that. I see that. But if my whole focus becomes Israel and not Christ, I will go off. And could I tell you something, friend? Many people are. I've been engaged in some of these conversations and meetings outside of this church in the last few months, and it is frightening what takes place. When we go off on our little own thing, and it does not lead us to Christ. We are going off. Actually, we are open to deception and seduction. 
It's so important, friends. Now, what joins me and Brent this morning, and we might have a diversity in eschatology, I would say we do, like most of us do. But if I then say the basis of my fellowship with him is that he agrees with me on my end time theology and there's a division, but if I say, Brent, can you agree with me on that Jesus is our everything and that the blood of Christ is what joins us, then there's a unity in the Spirit. But we have seen it, haven't we? Particularly here. We have seen the division. We have seen many use Peter's sword to chop each other's ears off and heads off and are proud the fact that we've won the argument. Well, you can win the argument. But the spirituality of a man is not measured on his end time theology. It's measured on the basis of how much is Jesus real in his life? That's what's going to join us. It's the revelation of Jesus that he showed to his servants of the things much which must surely come to pass, sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. It is all about Jesus. Everything. Israel's about Jesus. The church is about Jesus. The unfolding of these events that we are seeing in the Antichrist, you know what it's about? Jesus is going to destroy him by the word of his mouth, by the sword of the Spirit, at the brightness of his coming. This is great. Paul writes throughout the letters, in Hebrews 9 and 28, he says, so Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. What does he say? And unto them that, what does he say? Look for who? Look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin? That word means to assiduously and patiently wait for. And that word assiduously, because I had to look it up what it meant as well, means with great care and perseverance. Look for Jesus. Look for him. Wait for him. Look for Jesus. Don't get your eyes off him. He says in Romans 8 and 18, for I reckon the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're longing, we're looking, we're earnestly expecting the Lord to come. Romans 8.23 says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan. I want you to listen to this. This is important. Where we're going with this this morning in the work of the Holy Spirit in the last day, that there's a groan within ourselves. There's a groan that happens in the body of Christ globally across the world. There's a groan that begins to take place in the last days. We're waiting for the adoption. We're waiting for the redemption of the body. We're waiting, we're longing, we're earnestly looking. There's something begins to happen in the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. There's a longing, there's a witness, there's a groaning in us because we're looking for Christ to come. Romans 8, 25, but if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience. We're waiting, we're waiting for it. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf 
For the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says our conversation is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is going to happen in the last days and what is beginning to happen across the global church, not the denominations, uh, but people across the denominations who are truly born of the Spirit and washed in the blood, there now is a sense that is happening in the hearts of the believer and we're beginning to look up because we know He's coming. There's a witness of the Holy Ghost. Have you the witness of the Spirit of God that He's coming? Is there something within you that's causing you to look up and say, Christ, you're about to come? There's a revelation in your heart. You can't put it all in words. You maybe don't feel that you could preach a sermon, but in your heart there's a witness of the Spirit that you're saying, and all of this what's happening around us, Jesus is about to come. If you're not sure what I'm saying, if you're not completely sure about what I'm preaching, if you're saying this morning, I'm not too sure about where he's going, all I ask you to do is get the tape and every verse of Scripture that I've quoted, read it for yourself. And if there's anything that I'm saying that is not in the book, please come back to me and correct me because I want to be right before God. I don't know all things, but I know this Word is true. I know the book is true. I believe in this book that it has been preserved and it is the infallible Word of God, and it's a living Word, and it's a powerful Word, and I believe in this, and men have given their life that we have a Bible on our knee, and I believe in this book. And if there's anything that I say that's not here, please correct me. Do it, I'll receive it. If there's anything that I'm preaching or saying that's not here, then correct. But if it's here, friends, I'm going to stand on this book against everything, because I have nothing else to stand on. Nothing else to believe. Nothing else of this world. But this book is everything. It's the Word of the living God. You actually believe it? I believe it. I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. I believe the first word and the last word. And I believe it's the Alpha and the Omega. I believe it's Jesus Christ. He shall glorify me. That's the Spirit of God. Jesus said He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and he will show it to you. The Spirit of God will reveal to us the heart of God. He'll reveal to us the Word of God. He'll reveal to us the unfolding of the prophetic offense that we're actually seeing in our lifetime. What a day to be alive! What a day to see this happen! What a day that we could actually be in the generation that sees the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that not excite the church? What do you get excited about? This room is divided by those that have the Spirit of Christ and those that do not. That is how it's divided. The bride or all of those, regardless of their denominational label, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Brethren, Baptist, Methodist, regardless of all of that, that's all man. But regardless of all of that, if you have the Spirit of Christ that dwells within you, you are the body of Christ. You are my brother. You are my. You may not like me being your brother and your sister. And your, I'm not your sister. I'm your brother. But I am your brother. 
And you are my brother. And you are my sister. Because you have the Spirit of Christ. And the Spirit of God is going to glorify who? He, Jesus said, will glorify me. Not me. Jesus. He's not going to glorify a ministry. He's not going to glorify a church. He's not going to glorify a preacher. He's not going to glorify one of the, one of the singers or one of any. He's going to glorify Jesus. That's what His work is, to glorify the Lord. That's the whole work of the Holy Ghost. If we're involved in any ministry, anything at all, anything, if it's not for the glory of Jesus, close it down, close the door, finish it, but if it's for the glory of Christ, run with it. Is it for His glory? Is that why I do it? Is that why I'm a Sunday school teacher? Is that why I work in the crash? Is that why I stand at the door? Is that why I play the guitar or play the piano? Is that why I sing? It's for the glory of God. Then sing. But if it's for you, my glory I will share with no other. Oh, friend, what an awful thing to be taken as glory. He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine. And he's going to show it to you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore I said, he shall take of mine and he will show it to you. This is the Holy Ghost. Now I want to say something that's very important. Really important. The work of the Holy Spirit in the last days is crucial, critical. The church needs to be very close to hear what he's saying. Listen to me, friends. He's a person. The Bible says that we're not to grieve. We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. He's a dove. I don't know about you. Have you ever seen doves? But doves are one of those most timid creatures. You have to be very careful. They easily will take off. And so you have to be very careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because if you grieve the Holy Spirit, friends, you're not going to hear what He's saying. It's very important. You ask yourself the question, is the Holy Ghost grieved? Is He grieved with the condition of the church? Is He grieved with me? Is He grieved with you? Is He grieved with us because of our behavior? Because of our actions? Because of our words, because of our own forgiveness, because of the things we say, because of our gossip, because of our bitterness. Is he grieved? Some will say, We haven't even heard there was a Holy Ghost. We have just been doing it this way for years. Let me tell you, there is a Holy Ghost. We're wondering why there's no great manifestation of his power, the signs and the wonders and the gifts. We pray for the gifts, we want to see the gifts. Friends, there's something that's happened in the church. I just want to say from my own experience, it may not be everyone's, but I want to say it from my own experience, something's happened in the church. You know, two plus two plus two is six, not right? But we've got so smart that we can take one of those twos out and think we can still get six. In other words, we want the gifts, we want the power, but we don't want the holiness or the purity that goes with it. And we still think we're getting six. We can pray. We can beat the air. But until God purifies and sanctifies the church, 
Then we'll see the power and the manifestation of that power in a mighty way. The Bible says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put from you with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgive one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. Anybody forgiven in here by the Lord? Have you been forgiven? Are you glad you're forgiven? Then we're to forgive one another. This is, this is, you see, friends, I've, I've, the last few months, I just say, I've come into contact with some people who are experts in end times. I wouldn't tie their laces. Fluent in every type of language. I'm still struggling with English. I don't say that, but it's just the truth. But I see no fruit of the Holy Ghost. I see no Christ in their life. He will glorify me. How is he going to glorify Jesus in me? First of all, he's going to save me. Thank God you're saved. But you know, this world don't need to see Tim McElrath. This world need to see Jesus in Tim McElrath. That's what they need to see. Oh, but if they just heard me, seen me, I think they'd just come flocking. I know people don't say that, but people actually believe that. I want to tell you the greatest attraction in this house. It's not all the hard work and all the labor. And thank God for it. And the beautiful paint work. And Davy Martin done a great job. Davy Martin mentioned him again. We plugged there for him. You know what the attraction is going to be in this building? Jesus Christ. But how is he manifested? You know how he's manifested? Adrian, he's manifested through you. And he's manifested through me. So when they look at us, Jeff, they see Jesus. And who is responsible for revealing Jesus in us? The Holy Spirit. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. I I believe, friends, that in this country, I'm putting all of us in that, if you don't mind, I believe the church has grieved the Lord. We have grieved the Lord. We've grieved the Holy Spirit. He's going to glorify the Lord. In Romans 8 and 28, we know this verse very well, but it's the next verse that I want to bring you into. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to the purpose of God. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit, to conform, to be conformed to the image of his Son. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring every one of us, to conform us, Richard, to the image of Jesus. Is that what you want to be? Conform to the image of Jesus? Is that your single chief desire? I want to be like him. I actually want to be like, I know I'm not like him. I know I have a great work to do. You can ask Nicky. He's a great work to do in this boy. But he's doing the work. But I want to be like him. Not just in 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 an outward, just 
in a religious way, but I really want to be like Jesus. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Do you know what really has really changed my life? I met a man on the 12th of September, 1993, and he's changed my life. And I have just want, I want to spend the rest of my days, I want to be like him. Because I've never met a man like him. I've never met a man like Jesus. Has anyone ever met a man like Jesus? Who can change your life, who can keep you through your storms, who dries your tears, who heals your sorrows, who brings you through every valley. He's with you all the way. He never lets you down. You let him. I've let him down, but he never let me down. He's faithful. But I want to be like him. Anybody else want to be like him? We're going to be conformed, and we are being conformed to the image of his son. And so when the Bible says things like this in Romans 13, 14, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put the Lord Jesus Christ on. Put him on. How do you put him on? You have to, first of all, put something off. And that's the hardest one, isn't it? You've got to put Tim McElrath off. And he doesn't want to go. And before you all think, boy, he's a dear, he's a toughie. I'm not like him. Your flesh is as rotten as mine. So to put off, we've got to put on. You know, the Bible says, I love these verses, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 47, the first man is of the earth earthy, the second man is, is the Lord from heaven, as the earthy such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are the heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That the church of Jesus Christ should be bearing the image of the heavenly man. That man's Jesus. Judas in the hospital. We're bearing the image of Jesus everywhere we go in the workplace, in the field, in the school, wherever we're going as believers, we're bearing the image of a heavenly man. How does that happen? By the power of the Holy Ghost. Can't happen, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Bible says that we're to put on Jesus, the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Do you know the tragedy of our day in all the sermons that we have and the access we have to the internet? Countless, countless, thousands, hundreds of thousands of messages absolutely inundated with the Word of God. James just simply writes these words, says, but be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. Deceive in your own self. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his face in a glass or in a mirror. He beholdeth himself, he goes away and straight away forgets what manner of man he is. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed indeed. 
that when you look into the Word of God and the message of God brings a conviction into your life and you hear the Word and you see the Word and you know that in your life and in my life, oh God, I need you to put, you put me on your wheel and I need you to begin to mold me and take out the things that don't please you. But Lord, I yield my life to you. Would you change me? Does anybody need changed? Wouldn't it be an awful thing to come to a time in our Christian experience that we don't think that we need changed anymore? You know what that is? That's self-deceit. And I think that's the worst type of being deceived. I don't need to change. They need to change. See, if everyone changed and they were like me, this would be a great world. This would be an awful world. And when we look into the Word of God and we hear the Word of God and we know the Word of God is dealing with our hearts and we say, God, I yield myself to Thee. Now, Lord, would you begin to mold me and change me and take my life and let it be holy. Lord, do a work in me. Anyone need a work done? Anyone crying out, Lord, would you do a work in me? I'm not talking about God coming and beating us up. I'm talking about God saying, I'm going to make you like my son. And I'm going to do that by the power of my spirit. But some things are going to have to be taken out. I'm going to have to dig a little bit deeper. And then that's when we find that sometimes we'll look at the Word, but we'll walk away and we'll forget what manner of man or woman that we were. That was great last Sunday. What did I speak on? Can't remember, but it was great. I forgot already. You were dealing with me to give my life right, to deal with something in my heart. Something's out of place. I've grieved the Holy Ghost. I need to get that right. We forget in an instant. And we don't do it. And then we're deceiving ourselves. But if we look into it, the perfect law of liberty, and we apply it to our lives, you're going to be blessed. Something very profound is happening, is happening, will happen. I'm not going to get through this, but I'm going to just close in a few moments. I know time is moving on, but I will close just in a few moments and we'll continue next week on the work of the Holy Spirit. But there is something that's happening across this world that the media don't see, the governments don't see, politicians don't see, all the great mighty men don't see, all the pop stars don't see. They don't see it, but it's happening. It's so profound what's taking place, and it's going to increase. It's going to increase and increase and increase. And it's going to spread from nation to nation, from tribe to tribe, from tongue to tongue. All those that have the Spirit of Christ are going to witness it. But the world won't see it. They're not going to see it. But it's already happening. The last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, we read some very profound words. I believe it's, if it's a good Bible, these words are written in red. They're the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 22, and not for time, I'll not read the whole chapter I was going to, but just down in the first six, He said unto me, Revelation 22, These things are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent His angel to show unto His servants the things which must shortly be done. Verse 7 says, the words of the Lord, Behold, I come quickly. 
Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Behold, Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. If you go down into verse 12, and behold, there it is again, I come quickly. My reward is with me. To give every man according as his work shall be. Verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. We're going to march through those gates one day, friends. But he says, I come quickly. Verse 20 of the same chapter. He which testify these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. I come. Jesus said, I come quickly. I come quickly. I come quickly. Something very profound is happening and will continue to happen and will deepen, 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 deepen into the hearts of the believers across this world. And it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And it's found in verse 17 of Revelation chapter 22. The Bible says, and the Spirit, capital S, and the bride, you know what they say? They say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is his thirst say, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Something's about to happen. Something is happening. And you can identify it. The odd time when I get the opportunity, I don't get much opportunity to listen. But the odd time I do, and listen to maybe other preachers, not just here, from around the world. But I want to tell you something. There's a common theme you know what I hear? I hear the theme, come. I hear from platforms and pulpits, small congregations and big congregations, non-denominational, some Baptist, some Pentecostal, and others. And you know what I hear? The theme in the message is this, come. 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 The Spirit and the Bride in tandem begin to say, Come. 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 Let me tell you, friends, Jesus says, I come quickly. The witness of the Holy Ghost across this world will begin to deepen in the Bride because she'll begin to say, Oh Lord, yes, we see it all happening. Yes, we see the falling away. Yes, we see the wickedness. Yes, we see the rejection of truth. Yes, we see that beast rising up out of the sea, that antichrist movement. Yes, we see the governments of this world that are just puppets, puppets in the hand of the antichrist. Yes, we see the change of the laws. Yes, we see their filth and their wickedness that they're doing with our children how they're undermining the parents and how they're bringing in their laws. The 12-year-olds can make their choices themselves without their consent of a parent. 
It's wicked. That's what it is, friends. It's wicked. That's all it is. It's wicked. But you know what happens in the heart of the church? They begin to say, come. The witness of the Spirit of Christ is come. And friends, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. But he's going to have a bride. And that bride's going to be ready. It's going to be ready. Father, this morning, we don't even know the moment that you will come, but we know that you're coming. And Lord, it's your desire by the power of your Spirit to do a work in the bride of Christ, to do a work in me, to do a work in us. And Lord, we simply swing wide the doors of our heart and ask that the Holy Spirit would do the work that only he can do. Make us ready. But Lord, give us the grace to be willing, not only to be hearers, but to be doers of your word. So God, this morning, even for those that are in our meeting that do not know you as their Savior, that have not bowed the knee, Lord, it is not to be convinced with just the signs and the wonders that are taking place around us, but to be convinced that they need a Savior. They need Jesus. That the only way we'll make it through is to know the Christ that died on the cross. So Lord, we pray you give help this morning in each and every one of our lives. Oh God, may our eyes ever be fixed on thee. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Lord, give us hearts that are open and wills that are yielded to the workings of the Spirit of God, for he will glorify Jesus. And Lord, that's our only desire. You will glorify. You will be glorified in our lives. Oh God, this morning we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.